We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor. Send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Hello, welcome to the Eurostep episode 12, uh, the Bucks clinch number one seed edition. I'm uh, Kane Pittman and I'm joined by Ty Windish as always on a Friday afternoon. How are you doing, Ty? Uh, devastated after the abomination that happened last night. I don't think our nation or our world will ever get over the sheer horror of what took place during this basketball game, Kane, but I'm trying. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I struggled to sleep last night, and I've really been thinking how I can really put what I saw on the basketball court into words, and uh, thankfully, I, I think we've had someone do it for us uh, on uh, 95.7, the fan. Uh, 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia, that is, I should say. Uh, I, I think their radio announcer really uh, explained what we were all feeling. Uh, just in this just the atrocity committed by our own Eric Bledsoe. I don't know how we can view Bledsoe the same after this. Uh, it was it was heinous, but I, I don't want to – let's not waste any more time. Let's go straight to the audio and, uh, you know – Try and stay composed to all the listeners out there. It's a uh, moment of silence necessary here. It's pretty horrific, but here we go. I'm going to cut straight to it. Cooper to shoot a three, and he makes some pay. Joel and B. Whoa, man! There's that Bledsoe! <laughs> oh, my! He just fired a ball. Boondozer in the face of Eric Bledsoe. He's got to be tossed. Out of here! Are you kidding me? Unbelievable! I have not seen a violent act like that in years. Get him out! 
group from 20 feet away. Well, there it is. The, one of the absolute goat calls of all time of Eric Bledsoe, for those that watch the game. Uh, yeah, look, there's a little bit of heat on the ball, but he, he tossed the ball at a seven-foot man, Joel Embiid. Uh, hit him in the chest, nowhere near his face, first of all. And uh, this guy's just completely lost it. Honestly, I, I, I want to know if he's okay right now because, um, you know, I, I'm concerned about him. I think my favorite part is it sounds like he stuck the word Budenholzer in there somewhere. Yeah. He's, and, like, depending on how you read it, it sounds like he threw Mike Budenholzer at, at, at Embiid. I, 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 this guy's a complete maniac. I love the way like, it starts <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's like, there's that Bledsoe. It's like this is like Bledsoe's going around just beating people up on the court every night. Like, what is this guy on about? I, he, uh, it's, he's, uh, he's just an absolute maniac. Gary and Dedek Cooper to shoot a three, and he makes them pay. Joel and Pete. Whoa, man! Whoa! There's that Bledsoe. Ah, oh, <laughs> incredible call. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I guess everyone saw it, but uh, Embiid threw the ball at Bledsoe, then Bledsoe threw it back with uh, some pretty serious velocity. But, uh, again, nowhere near his face. Everyone was okay. Uh if you were just listening to that call and you were driving in the car, I have no idea what you would have been imagining in your head. Uh, Do you think it, you think Bledsoe just picked up Mike Budenholzer, chucked him at Joel Embiid's face? It was a heinous act. It was. Did you say the word devastation, or am I bringing that into this? No, you're bringing it in, but you can bring okay. all, any type of uh, emotive words for a, a, just a, a, a heinous situation. Honestly, uh, scary stuff. Scary stuff from Eric Bledsoe, but. He did get thrown out of the game. Uh, this was only this is at the nine twenty four mark of the first quarter. So uh, you know when you really, I guess, get back to, to to actually what was happening on the floor for Milwaukee. This was uh, you know through a spanner in the works to say the least uh, to start to start this game because uh, it did what spanner in the works is that like is that a spider in the works? A spanner. I don't know what that is. It's like a wrench. Oh, we would just, yeah, okay. I, I get you. Spanner in a wax? You've never heard that? No, we don't call them spanners here. Oh, man. Oh, there we go. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've thrown anything, any sort of Australian term out there that's thrown you off on the Euro steps. That's a no, I think that's the first one. So that, that's just an Australian lesson for anyone listening out there. Spanner equals wrench. Yeah, spanner in a wax. Uh, feel free to use that one uh, in your daily lives. But, uh, Again, when you when you think of all the players that are already out, and, and Brogdon and uh, Tony Snell, um, Miritich, and then you lose Bledsoe at the start of the game. Obviously, uh, Philadelphia are missing Jimmy Butler, but uh, you really needed some guys to step up. So um, I guess when you really think about it from a, a you know a more serious perspective, uh, I, I sort of wonder what Mike Budenholzer was thinking as that was going down because. Uh, we know in the, the game the other night against Brooklyn, Bledsoe picked up a tech. And it, to me, it didn't look like Bud was too happy with Bledsoe, who really, for the most part this season, has kept uh, his emotions really uh, under control. And he's done such a good job of not sort of getting caught up in, in, in that, type of, that type of stuff. But for this to happen now, uh, just a couple of days after the um, Brooklyn game, and in the first two minutes of the game is the other thing. Uh, I feel like... Um, maybe Bud would be a little bit disappointed that that's how it played out because we know the Bucks were playing for something and, and trying to secure the number one seed. So 
as much as as much as I'm probably going to listen to that radio call another thousand times before I go to bed tonight. Yeah, you know, I, I you know you probably would like to see uh, leading into playoffs. We know last year Bledsoe obviously got far too caught up in, in a matchup with Rozier. Probably would like to see him not get ejected in the first two minutes, but. The Bucks were obviously able to to overcome that. They finished one twenty eight, one twenty two winners. There's so much to talk about in this game, but what was the uh, uh, I guess the number one storyline for you? I can probably guess. Oh, uh, I mean Giannis, right? It was a Giannis takeover game. I thought uh, this seemed like one where after Bloodsaw got tossed, and I agree with you, he's got to work on that, especially because there's a there's a chance like, Philly's probably one of two teams the Bucks would see in the Eastern Conference Finals. And they're irritating. You know, it starts with Embiid, but I think just the whole team. I mean, Tobias Harris is a nice guy, but like J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler for sure. Like this is a team that absolutely wants to get under your skin. You have to be ready for that. In the playoffs, you know, when it, especially when intention, uh, emotions are running even, even higher, uh, that's something where it'll be interesting to watch if these two teams do match up in the postseason. But from this game itself, like I said, I thought I was – after Bloods, I got tossed little concern like you know there's so many players out already all of a sudden your starting point guard is basically George Hill and you're gonna have to have one of like Tim Frazier or Pat Connaughton be your backup point guard that's not ideal I mean luckily Philly was short of guard and Butler as well but I was concerned that this game was gonna go Philly's way after that you know Embiid coming back he was playing pretty poorly early but still we know he's a good player they're at home I was like oh this might be tough it really felt like Giannis just willed the Bucks to victory especially at the end there I mean he really got going scoring all night. He kept that up late. Very end starts to facilitate more, sets up some crucial uh, assists for his teammates that really ended up with the Bucks win here in this one. And uh, I don't know if it's an exclamation point because the whole season's been so good and there's still some time left, but certainly uh, not hurting his MVP case with this incredible performance against the Sixers. Yeah, uh, it, I mean that was there was there was some other things that obviously went on through the game. I think there was some. Some more positive signs for the Bucks in general ahead of a potential Sixers matchup in in the conference finals. But uh, you know, Giannis is uh, it was it was the game, and 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 people that haven't watched the Bucks every night and and probably um, don't really appreciate or understand what he's been able to do on a nightly basis um, for this Milwaukee team. Last night on, on TNT, a national TV game where there are stars missing and the Bucks are. Uh, you know, pretty short-handed. They saw this guy. You called it. There was a point, and I, I tweeted the video out today where uh, Embiid hits the three, Sixers go up seven points um, in the fourth quarter, and Giannis just comes down and walks straight into a three, nails it, and he was just shaking his head. And and I I was with I was with a friend watching this game, and I turned to uh, my friend Ryan and I said, "Well, I said the the Bucks aren't losing this because <laughs> Giannis is not going to let Milwaukee lose this game." You could just tell he had that look in his eye. And there's and when you really think about that, and and this is why, uh, to, I guess to us, why we've watched Giannis and we believe that he is the MVP because we've seen him do this on a regular basis. But on this stage to do that uh, on that night in a game where the Bucks are looking to lock up home court for the entirety of the playoffs, there was a lot on the line, and you feel that they're probably going to get that anyway. But to make that statement right there. And, and you think back to a couple of weeks ago where Giannis has 50, 52 against the Sixers uh, and the Bucks lose. He has 45 this time. And he just did not, did not uh, you know, he was not going to let the Bucks lose this game, man. 45 points. 
uh, three of seven from uh, downtown, uh, 13 rebounds, six assists, five blocks, four of those on Embiid, and he sent Embiid uh, flat on his back uh, on one of those blocks. It was absolutely ridiculous. So if you have, if anyone from the outside wanted Giannis to have an MVP performance, then that was it. And I, I get the feeling after having that game last night that that might have swung a lot of votes that, that are looking at this MVP campaign because it was incredible. I, I, I can't really think of uh, too many Giannis going. I mean, he's always incredible, but I can't think it, too many more in, in unbelievable performances from Giannis in terms of putting the team on his back and, and carrying him to, to victory. It was, uh, I, I don't know how else to describe it other than an MVP performance. It seems to me like he's becoming very aware of how good he is and how much impact he has on games. I mean, obviously on the court, he's been great all season. Some of the quotes coming from Giannis later or lately are just completely delightful to me. One that uh, I I took out of an Eric name story that I I particularly enjoyed was Neil Giannis talking about how guys guard him with centers now and they put their fours on Brooke. He said, from what I've seen lately, they put DeAndre Jordan on me. They put Gobert. They put Joel. They put Jared Allen. They just keep doing that shit, but it doesn't work. <laughs> and I just think that's incredible because, like, you think of, like, Giannis a year or so ago, it just doesn't that – would, that would seem like – I mean, obviously, Eric, a very reputable reporter and everything else, but you'd say, like, really? Did he really say that? Lately, it feels like we've been getting more of that. I mean, obviously – he uh, calls Ben Simmons a fucking baby, which was incredible in game. Basically, somehow did, he probably should have gotten a tech for yelling in his face before that. I'm glad he didn't. I always prefer when guys get to play, but it just feels like Giannis is getting a little bit of more of an edge to him now. Like I know I'm better. I know we can win this. And honestly, I think that's kind of what it takes to be the guy, especially on a team where you know I, I think Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe are both very very good, but they're not you know shoe in star players. Middleton's an all star this year, but they're not top 10 guys or whatever. It's not like Golden State. We have multiple superstars, especially to be the one guy on a team like this. I almost think you have to have that sort of edge that, you know what? No, we're going to win. I'm going to win this game. I'm the best guy here. Yeah, I I, I do agree that, that Giannis now is, and it's been building for the last year or so, but he's not afraid at all to, uh, to uh, you know, let us know how confident he is in his own game. Anytime someone even you know, has a decent defensive effort on him. You mentioned that player's name to him and Giannis will be like, oh, no, it wasn't him. It was me tonight. It, it, the people can't stop me. Like, that's that's what he believes. That's what he feels. And, uh, you know, you, you spoke about, uh, I guess, Simmons and Embiid, but, I mean, these that's two very, very good defenders. I mean, they are really, really good defensive players. And Giannis, I mean, he, he treated... I, you know, he treated Simmons, and Simmons is 6'10", and we know that he's super strong, and he's able to sort of, um, you know, use his body and, and strength to, to do a lot of things defensively. Obviously, he's super athletic, but Giannis does treat him. I mean, I know he said that, but he treats him like a fucking baby out there. Like, he, <laughs> I, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, he sees, he sees Ben Simmons standing between him and, and, and the hoop, and he's like, ah. Oh. He's like, I'm going to destroy you. And he goes so hard at Simmons and there's nothing Simmons can do to stop him. And I, I just, there was a point there in the fourth quarter where I was just sitting there laughing because Simmons, like there was nothing he could do to stop this guy. And I don't know, you know, when you think about, um, 
this potential matchup in the playoffs. And I know I've been on the record a lot of times saying that I, I really think the Sixers are a great matchup for the Bucks. I still think that after watching the game last night. And when you look at Giannis and how easy he's been able to score, averaging over 40 points against the Sixers this year, uh, 52 in the last game, 45 last night. Uh, I mean, I, I, I do wonder how those Sixers players felt after the game last night. I mean, they're not used to being abused like that. And this has been twice in the space of three weeks. And if they come up in the conference finals, do you think Giannis is going to be afraid about, uh, you know, going up against Embiid or Simmons? I, I just, I, I think mentally Giannis right now, when he comes up against that Sixers team, he's just so comfortable and so confident that he can get whatever the hell he wants. And then he was even stepping out and shooting those threes. He hit three threes against the Sixers in the last game as well. So uh, I think there may not be a, a team in the, in the NBA right now that Giannis feels better against. No, I would agree. I think the interesting thing to me is, like you said, and and, and Giannis said, Ben Simmons just can't guard him. It's it's as if Tim, not to throw a stray at Tim Frazier, but it's as if a player the size of Tim Frazier was was on defense. Giannis treats Ben Simmons like that. It's it's almost with contempt. Like you you can't stop me from doing anything. I'm just going to dunk, and, and he does. I think he scored on him four out of five times. If I remember right, the fifth one rattled out. I don't think it was like a great stop by Ben Simmons on Giannis. And then you look at, well, who else on the Sixers can guard Giannis? Embiid is big, and and he does a pretty good job, but you can't really rely on him to do that for, you know, a whole game of Giannis being out there because he's going to pick up fouls. You can't guard Giannis without fouling unless you just get dunked on like Simmons does, and that's not a really good strategy either. So then you go, okay, what other centers do they have? Jonah Bolden, who's, you know, made some good shots. I thought he looked good in that game, but I I wouldn't trust Jonah Bolden to to guard Giannis. I want to play him major minutes either. And then you look at Boban, who – Boban is is effective. Giannis has no fear of Boban. He goes at Boban all the time, which I think is hilarious. If I saw Boban and I was playing basketball, I would just probably fall <laughs> over immediately. But Giannis has no fear of anyone. And, you know, Boban probably – I'd have to, maybe I'm dead wrong by the numbers. It feels like he does a decent job just because he's so damn big. But, again, you, you're not going to play Boban major minutes. You just He's too slow. He can't get up and down the floor. If it turns into a transition game, he's immediately a liability, and he kind of is anyway if you drag him out of the paint. So – it just feels like there's no – I mean, there's no good option for any team. But Philly especially, it feels like all of their options to stop Giannis are tough. And on the other end, you know, Milwaukee's comfortable throwing Brooke Lopez on Embiid. And, you know, they're not overly concerned with Brooke Lopez picking up fouls. They don't need Giannis to guard Embiid. So it's kind of a, a nice advantage for the Bucks that way. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think you, you sort of – in what you're saying there is probably, um, you know, leading, leading into my next thought, which is – uh, I think conditioning-wise, if you were watching that game last night, you noticed that Joel Embiid was seriously tired uh, early in this game. And Giannis and Embiid went at each other really, really hard all night. It was super fun to watch. I always like watching these two go against each other. But Embiid isn't conditioned like Giannis. Like Giannis is just this maniac that can go for 40 minutes full throttle and, and push himself beyond exhaustion. We've seen him do it before. Uh, last night was certainly one of those occasions. But Embiid... I don't think he has that. I don't think he has that that energy. I don't think he has that motor to be able to play at that level. So if you get Embiid fatigued and he has to work so hard on defense as he does on offense, you see that uh, he he's not going to be as effective. He sort of can, uh, you know, have a tendency to um, take tougher shots, settle for threes. He took another nine threes last night after taking thirteen in the game the other week. So uh, I think you know the effect uh, that the Bucks. And Giannis and Lopez and all these guys have on Embiid, uh, 
you know, uh, with the, that how hard he has to work to defend uh, makes a big impact. I, I was looking at the numbers because uh, Embiid's averaging 34.7 points per game over the three uh, games against the Bucks, but he's averaging 28.6 shots a game. Like, so, so he's getting 34 points, but he's taking 28 shots to get those 34. And the Bucks, are, I mean, they're totally fine with that. And, and part of the reason for that is obviously the Bucks defend the paint really, really, really well. But, uh, you know, if Embiid gets fatigued. He starts settling for those jumpers because he doesn't want to work through uh, Giannis. And he doesn't want to work through Lopez. And, and, and uh, like, he'll, he'll be attacking Lopez. And then he has Giannis flying over the top and blocking his shot like we've seen late in the fourth quarter. So, he, you know, that's tough mentally for those Sixers players. And, again, with Ben Simmons being the other one, he's averaging only 11 points down from 17 on the season, and he's taking over nine shots to get those 11. So you talk about two guys that do a lot of damage in the paint. That's why I really, really like this this Bucks team against the Sixers. Yeah, I tweeted this during the game. I mean, Simmons has just had no success offensively against the Bucks. I mean, he got 13 assists last night, which is fine, but six points on five shots, it's like, cool. If one of your best three, four players, I think most people would have him. Uh, it's hard to say with that team. I feel like a lot of them are very close together with Embiid, obviously number one, but one of your best players, you know, one of your best young players for sure. If he's going to score six points, you just go, okay, that, that's fine. Tobias Harris only had 13 on 15 shots and, you know, didn't really see the ball much late. And I think that's really people talk about, you know, the Sixers, oh, they haven't had time to figure it out. And I think it's easy to sort of, you know, write that off and like, what does that mean? You know, they're talented, whatever. I mean, we've seen what that means in that, you know, if Embiid's going to take 31 shots, there's not going to be enough shots for Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. There just isn't. So at that point, you know, those guys are just, they're not being utilized properly. And I think, you know, Embiid's your best player. It's really hard to tell him to take less shots. And But if he's going to keep taking 9, 12, you know, around double-digit three-point attempts per game, every time that's a shot that could be taken by Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, or, and J.J. Redick, who has annihilated everyone, it feels like, but especially the Bucks. They'd, they'd leave him open too often, but even when he's not open, he can make shots. But it's just like you're just totally fine if, if nine of Philadelphia's 36 threes, and that's a lot of threes, and they had a great game from three, but, you know, a fourth of them came from Embiid. You know, that's that's totally fine with the Bucks. Yeah, I, I agree again. And, and this is – I think when you look at this Sixers team, for me anyway, this is why, um, you know, I find myself appreciating how special this Milwaukee group has been in terms of – how unselfish they are, and and the fact that they uh, are willing to sacrifice for each other, and I, I just I, I agree with you that I'm watching this game last night, and I'm, and this is without Jimmy Butler even playing, and I'm thinking, well, gee, I'm really glad that Embiid just keeps firing away, and Tobias Harris isn't getting the ball in his hands right now. I would trust Harris to to take a good shot, even though he was just six for fifteen on the night. Um, and and you know when uh, Jimmy Butler comes back in, then. Whose shots is he taking? Embiid still was getting up 30 last time. And Harris, I don't even think, had 10 shots the last time they played because the ball there's just not enough ball to go around. And these guys like to work in isolation. And they're not... They're, I know, like, uh, you know, Simmons has 13 assists and, and Embiid has 13 assists as well. And you think, wow, that's that's leaning towards playing unselfish ball. But I, I just... I don't know how, how well all these guys fit. And they have great individual talents and obviously they're all-star players and... They can hit big shots, but I just think that when you watch this team, as I said, you get a great appreciation for the Bucks, the way that they're able to share the ball around, and you have no hesitation with Milwaukee about bringing back in. You think if this if these teams play again in the conference finals, the Sixers will have Jimmy Butler back, and that's great. But Milwaukee's going to have uh, Malcolm Brogdon, 
Eric Bledsoe, Nikola Miritich, Tony Snell, uh, all these guys are going to be back in the in the lineup. So, yeah, I, I, it's it's just it continues to be an interesting dynamic in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I feel like the Bucks have the tools to to really feel comfortable against them. And again, as we saw in the game in Milwaukee the other day, the Sixers were red hot from three, just eighteen for thirty six. Uh, 50%. They actually missed a couple late. It was it was up over 60% for a lot of the game. Mike Scott goes 6 for 8. JJ Redick 5 for 9. Bolden 2 for 3. I mean, they could hardly miss a shot again. They were hitting tough shots. So, uh, you know, for, for Milwaukee, you, you think that, that it's like how much better could Philadelphia have shot the ball or, or played on offense and they still find themselves losing the game? Yeah, and if, if the Bucks have time to game plan specifically for an opponent like they would for Philly in the playoffs, I feel like you know, Mike Scott was just open a lot, and it was something I saw. I forget who originally called it out. I sort of, you know, added – I co-tweeted and agreed. Pat Connaughton just kept leaving shooters, and it was kind of infuriating because he leaves them to double and beat or whatever, and they're wide open. That's where a lot of those assists came from. It wasn't like beautiful ball swing. It was kick it out to Mike Scott, who all of a sudden can't miss threes. Uh, so, no, I, I think Philly would be a, a fine matchup for the Bucs. Uh, I, I might have to redo my – ranking of the opponents i might i might rather see philly than than toronto at this point but i mean on the plus side those two teams are gonna have to go through each other to get to the bucks if if everyone makes it to the eastern conference finals so at least uh those you imagine that series between philly and toronto would be a a tough one for both teams whoever comes out probably going to be a a little little beat up a little tired you would think yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And I, and first of all, I, I know I keep on saying I think that the, the Sixers are a good matchup for the Bucks, but um, I, I still think that any series with Philadelphia goes at least six games. I, I think uh, any series between, um, you know, in the second round and beyond, I, I think is probably going a minimum of six. I don't see uh, the Bucks rolling through a, a Toronto or Philadelphia team, just like I don't see Philadelphia or Toronto rolling through each other. I think they're going to be long series and, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a grind in the playoffs. But uh, again, as as good as Giannis was, the contributions from um, a couple of guys that just keep on delivering, and George Hill in particular had another twenty points, uh, a seven zero run uh, for himself in the fourth quarter. Really uh, put the Bucks in a position to take the lead back and, and let Giannis uh, again take control in the last minute or so. But he had five rebounds and five assists as well. I mean, George Hill, to, to come in when Bledsoe uh, is ejected just two minutes into the game, he plays 32 minutes, shoots two for three from deep, including a huge one in the fourth quarter to keep the Bucs uh, in the game at that point. He's just looking so comfortable out there. And I mean, this is George Hill from three or four years ago. I, I have not seen him look this good for, for a, an extended stretch. Uh, that we've seen now over the last five or six games. He's been unbelievable. And then Sterling Brown comes in and starts again, another double-digit performance, 12 points, uh, five boards, three assists, uh, gets a steal as well. Uh, Sterling's just becoming that really, really consistent, uh, productive fifth man in the starting lineup. And and again, doing some some of the things that, that we've, we've come to uh, expect and I could probably take for granted with, with Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, I think uh, Sterling's been continued to be great. I've been a big fan of how he's played recently. Uh, he's not even George Hill anymore. He's George Mountain. He keeps coming up so big for the Bucks. <laughs> I tweeted that. I had to use it here too. But he's uh, he's been playing like it's a matter of life and death. And speaking of matters of life and death, life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. 
That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives who might throw a basketball at you. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees, zero hidden fees here. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com. One last time, getethos.com. Yeah, well, I you sort of touched on it there, but I, I know someone who could probably uh, or will probably want to get uh, in touch with Ethos after last night. seen a violent act like that in years. Get him out. Unbelievable! He had to be right in the face. <laughs> oh man, Joel Embiid uh, probably needs to get onto Ethos because uh, he had a, it survived a brush with death. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he's lucky to be here. So, whew, thank God, thank God that he's okay. We, 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 you know, our thoughts are with him in this time. I was honestly, to, to be a hundred percent real, I was, I was worried he was hurt after the the big Giannis block. That was he scary. fell hard. Yeah. He did, yeah, and that's a big guy. I think uh, yeah, I know, couldn't. I couldn't even enjoy it at first. Now I kind of can because I know he got up and he was fine. But at first, I was like, "Oh man, like that's an incredible block." But he, that he might be that that that, that was rough. I was worried, and especially he was limping before. It's just a, a tough game for Joel Embiid. I mean, props for him for fighting through. I don't know if Philly should have played him that much, but uh, props. I mean, in all seriousness, is a quite the competitor. Yeah, it was interesting actually uh, how hard. I mean, the Bucks had something to play for, so it doesn't surprise me that the Bucks weren't that hard because, uh, and you know, we know that Giannis is just a complete maniac of a competitor. But and it, um, for Philadelphia, I mean, not a lot to gain from from the win for them. Um, you know, I, I think they're they're still two games up in the third seed, so they're probably not going to lose that. But uh, I must admit, when when Embiid sort of went to the locker room earlier in the game, with looked like he tweaked his ankle a little bit there. Then hits the ground as hard as he did. I was I was surprised that that he played um, the amount of minutes he did it, particularly when he was a game time decision. He plays thirty four minutes on the night, so um, yeah. I <laughs> but I, I will say, anytime I see a player go down like that or be in the air in that position, I always think of uh, um, Andrew Bogut, obviously, uh, who yeah, it's obviously a different situation. He was trying to dunk the ball, but when they're coming down on their back like that, I just hope that they do not stick an arm out or oh, yeah. which is, you know, obviously the natural reaction. And when you're seven feet tall and whatever Embiid is, 260, 270, however, you know, whatever he is, uh, that's not good for your arm. No, no, it certainly isn't. And just, I, I thought the Sixers had basically nothing to play for. They almost do. As you said, they're two games up, but it should be noted. Boston does own that tiebreaker. So, if the Celtics went out and Philly would have dropped two more, they they would lose that third seed, which obviously is huge. But it it's it sure doesn't feel like that's that's going to happen. No, I wouldn't. I I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, I just think a guy with uh, Embiid's history uh, potentially you you don't push that hard in a game like that. But I think it's well established now that these teams 
I mean, they don't like each other. I think that's fair to say. It's And it's interesting because I, I was thinking about this this afternoon about how I think that the Sixers are probably the Bucks' biggest rivals now. And I, I think this goes um, you know, all the way back to, um, you know, that everyone just assumed that, that the Sixers were going to be the team that were going to take over the East and they were just going to walk through everyone once Embiid and Simmons sort of, you know, were in their second and third year, which they are now. I think that Giannis took that personally. I think some people within the Bucks took that personally. And uh, I think that's where the rivalry has been born there. I think the Bucks uh, have a chip on their shoulder every time they play Philadelphia and they're out there to prove a point. Um, but I guess also when you look at the Celtics, uh, the Bucks do not like the Celtics. They do not get along well, and and that obviously goes back to the playoffs last year. And then the Bucks and the Raptors don't like each other. And and if you talk to the Bucks players, I I know uh, I, I spoke to obviously Thon is, is gone now, but there was a couple of times early in the season where I would just be talking to Thon uh, Maker in conversation, and then he would bring up the Raptors. Uh, and it wasn't always like really relevant to the conversation that he would bring up Toronto, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's interesting." And I would say, "What is it about Toronto?" And he goes, "Oh, well, we haven't forgot." He's like, "We haven't forgot uh, that game six in Milwaukee. Uh, we we still owe them. We're going to get them back." Uh, and so that's when <laughs> when I when I hear that, and he said that multiple times. Uh, that's when I I sort of realized that. Uh, we know how competitive this Bucks team are, and they've only lost back-to-back games twice. Uh, uh, sorry, once. Uh, and and really, any time they lose to a team, they they generally generally respond pretty pretty sharply the next time they see them. So uh, they take losing personally, uh, and they haven't forgot any of those series. So it, it, I guess for uh, Bucks fans, <laughs> it's probably a good thing to think about how angry uh, this group is any time they play the three top teams that they're going to face in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely, and I think uh, it's an almost thinking about the two series that the the Bucks have played the last two years against Toronto and against Boston. I don't know how often you run into this, but I, I do feel like I hear pretty often, you know, the Bucks can't make a deep run because they don't have the the winning playoff experience. And I just wonder; it feels to me like they haven't won a series of, together yet, of course. But this team has, you know, had ups and downs and and been on the upper end, and it's uh, both of those series. It felt like. There was a time in both of those uh, playoff matchups that they were going to win that series. They obviously didn't, but it's not like this group has no experience playing together in the postseason. They've played together quite a bit, 13 games over those two series, and it wasn't like they just got rolled and and were out quickly. I mean, they went toe-to-toe with some really good teams and obviously came up short, but I don't know. Do you think the qualms about Milwaukee's lack of playoff experience together are a little unfounded? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big believer in that sort of theory anyway. I don't think that – I just – I don't believe that you need to have experience to make a run. I think if this Bucks team hadn't been in the playoffs at all, then I'd say, okay, well, that's this is going to be a new experience for them. But these guys have played in the playoffs, and, yeah, they haven't won a series. I don't think that really matters because they, they've been in big games. Obviously, uh, game six against the Raptors, they – uh, were able to fight back and, and obviously they lose in devastating fashion. But they've played in big pressure moments in that series. Game one in Toronto that year, they go in there and win the damn thing. Uh, at Boston last year, um, obviously, you know, under pressure, two zip down, uh, you know, able to bounce back, win those two games. Giannis stands up in game six after being questioned in game five. So he, he's been able to stand up to the pressure. And then, uh, you know, obviously game seven is tough on the road. But I just I don't I feel like this team has enough experience in big games now and, and enough playoff experience that 
the big moments don't aren't really going to worry them. I I, I believe, uh, and I guess more broadly, my my question is when when people say that is, well, why do you like Philly? Mm. Like, w- what has Philly done? They beat Miami last year. That's cool, and then they lost in five games to the team that the Bucks took to seven. So. What like what what in that playoff run last year? What about that playoff run from the Sixers made you think, oh yeah, this team they're playoff hardened. They they they're, they're going to be ready for this year. They haven't done anything. Boston they didn't even have this team. They I I know you sit there and think, well, you, you bring in Hayward and Irving, and that's cool. Like obviously two star players that can make big shots in big moments, but bringing those two 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 players in has completely messed up their chemistry all year, and they've been an absolute disaster. So it's a different team. So Boston hasn't won anything with this group in the playoffs. And Toronto has choked year after year. But their, their second best player, Kyle Lowry, goes to water every time there's any pressure in the playoffs. Ooh. So, well, he, he does. Oh, I yeah. Mean, no, I, did you see the, the numbers that actually supported that? Yeah. I, I was reading it the, the, over the last couple of days. And uh, I, I just – it's I get, I get that saying that Milwaukee is going to fail in the playoffs is a really easy take to have. And it is. I mean, it's 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 an easy thing to say. So if you if you back the Bucks to to win it win it all, then you're really going out on a limb. If you just sit there and say, "Well, they're probably going to lose," uh, that's a pretty easy take to have, and no one's really going to question you on that. So uh, I just think when I look at the other teams in there, I'm not really looking at any playoff hardens. We haven't got any LeBron led veteran teams that have won championship after championship. There's no one really there in that situation. So I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, especially because it feels like even if that was a thing, just the amount of swagger the Bucks have as, you know, the NBA's best team this season, you'd think that would cancel it pretty pretty easily. I mean, I, it would stun me if this team got to the postseason and was playing like Orlando and all of a sudden the pressure gets to them. Like, no, like what's like they've dusted everyone. They've beaten everyone but Phoenix. Phoenix isn't going to come up in the postseason for probably several years. So – it it just seems like it, it shouldn't be that as much of a concern as it is. I don't know what you have planned next, but I, I want to share a quote uh, that I read today quickly. Please. So did, do you, did you see uh, Haley O'Shaughnessy's thing on the ringer about the Bucks and Sixers? Do they have a beef? I did not. So it's a fun read. She says they do. She's correct. And there's a, a tweet shared from Sam Esfandiari. I always say it wrong. Sorry, Sam. Uh, fellow Blue Wire podcaster over at the Late Years Golden State Warriors podcast, but it it's a picture of uh, Giannis blocking Embiid fully up in the air on, on the one we talked about earlier where Embiid went down hard. And Sam said, and here's your MVP campaign poster. And the sentence that Haley O'Shaughnessy wrote, r- wrote right after is one of my favorites. I was going to tweet it. I couldn't think of an easy, good way to tweet it, so I figured I'd just say it here. A picture says a thousand words. This one says, fuck you, 500 times. <laughs> and I'm just such a big fan of the way she put that, and uh, it seems seems pretty uh, prescient to me. Yeah, I I did not see that, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, as we've sort of mentioned throughout, it was uh, some kind of statement, uh, MVP statement, Defensive Player of the Year statement, uh, just flat out best player in the world statement. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was. It was pretty special. It was, uh, it was one of you know for mine. You know, I think back maybe, maybe it was the most fun uh, I've had watching the Bucks all season. Just in terms of feeling like there's some real um, emotion there between the two teams. As we sort of said, they don't they don't really appear to like each other too much, which always adds to adds to something. And uh, the fact that the Bucks were playing for so much to to lock up that number one seed, I, I guess, just made it 
all the more special. And I, I think we've, uh, I guess, you know, when you when you read uh, some of the comments, I guess, from Bucks fans on Twitter and that through the year, there's been a lot of paranoia about, oh, can the Bucks do this? Are they actually going to get the number one seed? Certainly in the last two weeks, there's been a lot of, it feels like a lot of stress there at Bucks fans that they were going to let the, the number one seed slip. Me and you, we've been talking about this the whole time. This was never in doubt for me. This team's been getting it done for uh, 79 games now. Uh, <laughs> the sample size is too big for them to all of a sudden uh, fall in a, in a humongous hole in the last week of the season and, and drop the number one seed. So uh, I was, it was never in doubt for mine, but nonetheless, it's still cool to look at that, uh, the little, I think it's a little Z. I mean, some some standings have like a little E for Eastern Conference. I think Z is uh, is the letter for just overall domination of the league. But uh, it's uh, it's cool. I, I think that you know before the playoffs start, I think it's uh, a good thing to sort of look back and, and think about how how fun this sort of season has been. I just think it's funny that you know there was certainly some hand wringing, and it's like the Bucks' worst five-game stretch was two and three, and they lost the back-to-back one-two and then lost another one. And then and then later, win-loss, win-loss, win. Like, that that was the worst it got. So it's not like they cratered. I mean, they were slightly less unstoppable than they were for really like that. The, the middle third of the year is when it really took off. You know, there was some back-and-forth ball early after the really strong start, of course. And then you get just utter domination for like 15 to 20 games. And then a slight hiccup as, you know, five players basically are hurt. And, but even, even with the hiccup, it wasn't like they were like losing five of six or something crazy like that. They went two and three over five games. It just happens. It's rare for a team to lose back-to-back games once. The Bucks almost didn't do it at all. It's just, it, it was just, I think people got a little too high on the hog for a second. You know, they're not going to, win five out of every six games or whatever but definitely uh yeah i think you said it right neither of us was sitting here biting off our fingernails worried that the bucks were all of a sudden just going to be bad for no reason to close out the year yeah and and again i sort of mentioned this on the last pod i think i I sort of pointed to this but i i absolutely understand why there's this built-in oh yeah paranoia or a feeling that things are going to go wrong and the Bucks do lose a couple of games there and then the injuries just feel like they're piling up and piling up and piling up and you start to wonder well is this whole thing you know these 75 games are all going to fall over now um, at the worst time but uh, I mean this team's been able to fight through it all as we mentioned they have uh, guys stepping up and uh, George Hill and Sterling Brown we we think or we believe the latest that I have that is that Nikola Mirotic is still on track for the playoffs and Tony Snell uh has been he's looked okay walking around. Obviously, I haven't been with the team for the last few days, but I, I don't think Tony Snell will be too far away. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is is off crutches now, walking around. He was obviously traveling with the team. He was looking good walking around, so he's obviously still a few weeks away. But uh, I, I believe, from what I know, that they are still optimistic of you know a timeline around the second round for Brogdon. So uh, that's I mean obviously going to be big. So. Uh, things are gonna hopefully uh, start to come back together in ter- terms of uh, health, but they have three games left uh, in the regular season and then a home back to back. Well, you know we're very fortunate that we get to see a, a Brooklyn Atlanta back to back for the second weekend in a row. So uh, that should be a lot of fun at at Fiserv, uh starting with Brooklyn tomorrow at four pm tip, I believe. It's it's a bit earlier, but 
interesting when we look at the standings, or when I look at the standings right now, I've got them up, and uh, the Pistons in six, Brooklyn seven, Orlando eight, Miami nine. Only one game separating those four teams at the moment. So uh, when you think to who the Bucks might play in the first round, we still really have no clue what's going to happen there because it, it is so tight. But with the Bucks playing, obviously, Brooklyn tomorrow, if the Bucks win, they will secure win number 60. But they will also push the Nets closer to that eight position and a potential matchup in the first round. So I don't know if this is true. I read, I think Matt Moore tweeted, and I don't know if he even said it certainly, but the Pistons might be like the loser of a four-way tie if all the four teams of these tied. So there's a lot of scenarios at play. It could get crazy. I think the Hornets technically still involved, which is sure they are. They are, they're, but they're, they're two games back of the Heat in nine with only – well, they got four games left, but, I mean, they would they would almost certainly have to, have to win all four and hope – um, uh, the other teams fell over for them to get back into it. I think that's going to be tough for them. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I think we both agree. Uh, just uh, from the Bucks' perspective, kind of greet this scrum with like a resounding shrug. Like it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think we both yeah. talked about the teams we'd like to see, uh, but it, it really, I'd rather see Orlando or Detroit than Brooklyn or Miami. Those are probably my tears. I, I, again, though, I'm not. It's not something I would lose sleep over if I was a Bucks fan. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's probably where I am as well. Like I said, I'm not losing any sleep. I'm more keeping an eye out out of uh, curiosity, I guess, to see how this all shakes out. But um, certainly, uh, the Bucks have uh, had their way with all of those teams through the season, and haven't had too many issues outside of a obviously a scratchy uh, performance against Miami earlier in the season. But uh, it will be interesting to see, as I mentioned just before, the Bucks are obviously going for win number 60 tomorrow. Uh, and it will be interesting to see. I know Matt Velasquez asked Giannis about potentially resting, and Giannis said, oh, hell no. We're, we're, you know, we're just, I mean, that's what he says anytime. I mean, he's not going to put his hand up to rest. So uh, it will be interesting to see what the Bucks do, though, over this back-to-back. My feeling is that Giannis will not play both games in the back-to-back. It just doesn't seem to make any sense for him to do that. Uh, Middleton looked pretty good last night. He had 22 points. He did have a rough stretch shooting the ball there and finishes 7 for 18. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see whether they want to give him a bit more rest. Uh, in many respects, you could say Bledsoe had a rest last night. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how they manage this. I would, I would expect that um, some guys are, are going to get a rest over this weekend back-to-back. Um, but... Uh, as far as what we know, all the guys are going to be putting their hand up to play and then keep winning games. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know how you think that's going to shake out. But, uh, yeah, again, uh, two two winnable games for the Bucks. Looking for win number 60. Yeah, my guess would be we get one rest game of, the, of this back-to-back, maybe the second one, uh, and then just you know make that the Bonzi season part two or three or whatever it is, and let let those guys run him, Tim Frazier, etc. And then I think for the last game of the season, the home game against the Thunder, I, I would I would say you play everybody who's healthy, but like for like a half, you know, you don't really push them. It doesn't matter. The game probably will matter. The Thunder who are trying to avoid the instant death that is matching up with Golden State in the first round. So it, depending on how between now and then goes as it feels like there's a good chance that game will be important for them. So I just don't think it's you, why bother getting caught up in, in, a, in another intense game when 
it doesn't gain you anything. So, you know, play everyone, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes and then let, let the, let the Bonzi Tim Frazier crew take, take you home on to the playoffs. That, that would be my, my suggestion. I, I don't really have insight, but that would be my guess too, I suppose. I'm, I'm absolutely here for some more uh, bronze bonds as I like to call in minutes. Uh, I think the statue is going up next to the bronze bonds in Milwaukee uh, pretty soon. If he has another 15-15 game, I think they're going to get that statue going. But it is actually uh, the Milwaukee Marathon tomorrow. So Are you running? Uh, I'm, I'm not running. I No, I'm not. I'm not, I, I don't wanna, I'm not going to go into it any more than that, but I'm not running. <laughs> It's game day tomorrow. You know, I gotta, I gotta be serious. That's true. I gotta be, I gotta be thinking about Bucks and Nets. I can't be, I can't be running. But uh, given it is the Milwaukee Marathon, maybe Bud wants to uh, run Tim Frazier out there for another forty-eight minutes tomorrow night. That might be, uh, it might be fitting. Tim Frazier had no idea what he was signing up for. <laughs> he did not, right, so uh, so yeah. So uh, Kane, when's our next episode? <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're gonna do one on Monday. I uh, for some reason I don't know why. In the last episode, I was just rambling on about our next pod was gonna be on Monday. Uh, I was gonna talk. We said we had three games to talk about, and then we finished recording. And Ty was like, "Ah, oh, so I, I guess we're not recording on Thursday." <laughs> we actually didn't in the end. It's it's Friday now, but I did completely skip an episode. But we will be recording on Monday. Uh, we'll have the uh, coverage of the Brooklyn and Atlanta game and. Look ahead to the last game, the season finale, uh, before uh, stuff gets real for the Bucks in the playoffs. So it should be a fun weekend. Uh, I assume you're going to catch the games? Yeah, I should. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully by this time on Monday when we are talking with you guys, the Bucks have won 61 games and uh, well-rested and looking forward to that game. But uh, I think we, uh, we've touched on everything we wanted to touch on uh, today, it was. Uh, I feel like it was a pretty fun episode. He threw from twenty feet away. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Incredible! Uh, it was heinous, I would say. That Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> I just. Oh my god! What an absolute! What what a villain Eric Bledsoe is. But I think we'll leave it on that note. What do you think? I, I think we covered everything. Uh, you know, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Kane. And uh, remember, if you liked the episode subscribe rate review everything else help us out and uh you know we'll uh continue covering the dastardly eric bledsoe for many episodes to come (laughs) thank you time we'll uh catch you guys on monday